Hello, and welcome to episode 156 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I am your host, Derek Heemsbergen. I'm Embryonix on Twitter. That's at E-M-B-R-Y-O-N-X. And it is our last show of 2018, everybody. Um, very happy to be joined by two of my usual partners in crime. I've got Caitlin Ardros. Hey, guys. Uh, Leanne Cazero on Twitter and pretty much everywhere. Um, L-I-A-N underscore K-A-Z-A-I-R-L because I am difficult. Well, thank you for <laughs> finally spelling it for us these past couple episodes. So now we know where to find you. Just spelling it out. Yep. And that's the voice of my other co-host. It's Greg Delmage. That's me. I'm Greg Delmage. And you can find me as at Greg Delmage on the Twitter and the Instagrams. And um, just G Delmy on the Discord if you want to chat with me about board games and stuff. I'm here. And, and a fun little known fact, uh, his last name Delmage is actually Spanish for of the mage. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> actually, I wish. Just that kidding. would be amazing. You actually hail from the Black Mage Village of Final Fantasy IX. It's where your family was born. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. I wear a mask the whole time. And what my face actually is is a glowing uh, yellow-eyed in a black abyss. Yeah. His real name is Vivi. Little right. known fact. Yeah. Vivi Delmage. <laughs> Greg Delmage is actually just his like uh, you know his pen name. It's my performer name, exactly. Yeah, we don't we, we don't want to make get a better face, get a better name. If I wanted to be something in this industry, yeah, exactly. I mean, you need a face. Period is the thing, <laughs> not, <laughs> not just a black face. Yeah, they got a little creeped out by the leading man having no face. Yeah, it also makes it a little bit harder to express the wide gamut of emotions necessary of an actor. Anyway, it's we're true. letting this this run way too long. It is uh, it's almost the end of the year. We uh, have had a crazy, crazy year full of video game releases, which seems to have been the case the last few years in general. But once again, 2018 delivered a huge amount of um, just amazing video games that we have hopefully dished our thoughts on um, in sufficiently eloquent fashion over the course of the year. But uh, as always, there's a lot to look forward to in 2018 and a lot to look forward to that we haven't gotten around to from 2018. So uh, before we really get into any sort of predictions or uh, year-end wrap-up stuff, which actually that I would like to do on our next episode following our Game of the Year feature on the website, um, I just want to check in with everybody. Um, I know that... Y'all haven't been playing anything um, super new and crazy in the realm of RPGs lately, but Caitlin, you've still been on your tactics kick with Tactics Ogre, is that right? That is correct, yes. I'm, Did you... uh, it's, it's good. Sure. It's very good. Heck yeah, it is. Um, I need to get back around to that one. That's one that I really need to rebuy for Vita or something digitally so I can play it. Because I have my PSP, but that poor thing hasn't been charged in like a year or two. Ooh. Yeah, and I've still got a, uh, I think I've still got a copy of Tactics Ogre somewhere. I did recently discover my Tactics Ogre tarot cards in one of my storage bins. Oh, and, nice. Uh, oh, so nice. Yeah, they're beautiful. I thought I had lost them forever, and I was like, yes, yeah, score. That art is so good, I could even see myself doing a tattoo of it or something. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like uh, the whole game. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have any like additional thoughts since the last time we talked about it? Still, still enjoying it. Still, think it's good. I'm still, I'm still working my way through. I, I haven't. Uh, I'm on the neutral path, so I haven't quite finished that yet. And I still have to do law on chaos, so I have a lot still left to do. Um, basically, just been um, playing for a couple of hours while I'm at work and I'm bored. Uh, because my work is awesome and I can, I can play games if I, uh, if I want to. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to do, but I'm still 
it's it's amazing how much it's scratching that that SR that specifically the Final Fantasy Tactics SRPG itch. And I mean, of course, it's makes sense. It's from the same team, but I didn't really realize how much I really wanted another game uh, so closely kind of in how it, it, it runs to tactics. Like I've played other SRPGs and I've enjoyed them, but there was something really magical about tactics and being able to experience a, ta- a very tactics-like kind of game with Tactics Ogre, but with interesting differences and even a couple of things that I like that uh, does better than Final Fantasy Tactics is uh, it's been a it's been a lot of fun and yeah. I am still kicking myself for taking this long to actually start playing through it in earnest. Um, so <laughs> I'm a dummy, but I'm trying to fix that. No, and and if. Uh... Like one thing that I think it can do well is scratch that itch for Matsuno's writing that has probably been rekindled in recent years with the Zodiac Age and then the uh, Evilly stuff in FF14. So now you can mm-hmm. kind of like really delve into a full length Matsuno story. It's really great writing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you? And I guess you probably went through the, the, what the rest of us did too when those little like bits of like the final what could have been Final Fantasy Tactics two kind of stuff got released. Uh, was it last? It was over this past year. Yeah, those little things in that magazine blurb and everything like what could have been oh i don't really remember it was uh it was looking like it was hex based uh i feel like someone was sharing it around i think uh our good old Solosi over at uh um retro encounter and everything else uh he was sharing that around i think that, that article that had been written from um why am i forgetting who the i think it was the producer on the sh- on that uh for tactics who's like the creative helm uh well yasumi matsuno is like the writer right yeah and there was, isn't there one other person who's like really integral to that whole project? Uh, yeah, it's, it's escaping me. Yeah, right? It's like, it's right there. Anyways, uh, they had been talking to some magazine lately about it. And it, yeah, it got translated and sent over here. And like, we could see like what very much looked like the uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Monk and like something else, like on a kind of like a hex base, excited to uh, those who don't know, uh, kind of grid field and yeah. changing it up a bit and just. It would have been very neat to see yeah, more of that world that Caitlin was saying, but just kind of taking it in a different direction to keep scratching the itch and refining on what was already a really solid game. Yeah, that's I. You know, Tactics Ogre: uh, Let Us Clean Together is is one that I also I didn't beat it. I didn't even get close to beating it, and I can't really pinpoint why I ever stopped playing it. And I think also, <clears throat> um, just from looking at screenshots and stuff of it recently. Um, because my boyfriend was also replaying it um, not too long ago. I feel like the writing in that has aged really, really well, just like in 12. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's still like, regardless of when it released, I think the art style holds up, the music, the, the writing, it's all something that's immensely playable. So I would love to see that on a modern console, like Nintendo Switch, which is something that we're constantly saying about every game that we want to replay. But that's what I keep hearing. Yeah, it, it holds true. Do either of you have you either of you played Night of Lotus, the one that was on the GBA? Uh, yeah, no. I don't. I don't remember a lot about it. I remember that I had it, but that's mm. that's so it. Mike Wasilski was also saying that one was a really nice hidden gem. We talked about it briefly on um, the Thirst for Battle uh, episode that just came out, if mm. I recall correctly. But he was saying yeah. it's a nice gem that as one of those ones that I thought it was just another version of Let Us Cling Together that kind of came in between, but apparently it's a completely different story, I guess. Mm-hmm. The GBA had a lot of good hidden gem RPGs. Um, I mean, between, I mean, it had like Golden Sun 1 and 2, which aren't really yep. hidden gems, but they were there. They had like the the ports of Breath and Fire, or, sorry, Breath of Fire 1 and 2, 
Um, uh, my favorite album, Breath and Fire. Breath and Fire. <laughs> uh, Sigma Star Saga was cool and weird. That, like, yoga to it. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, um, it, uh, the GBA was like a weird era where like I fell off of, like I just wasn't paying attention to anything in game news, but I think that's also maybe when I got my, finally got a PlayStation. So I think I was just focused on those RPGs. I can't yeah, remember that. Uh, this is totally tangential, but speaking of um, Final Fantasy related things from the past, the Ultimania Final Fantasy archive, like art book volume two just released in North America in English. Sweet. And for those who are unaware, the Ultimanias are like the sort of, definitive Final Fantasy Bibles or whatever you want to call them. And they have really exhaustive um, information on like, they have a lot of design work. Um, so not just art, but like character concepts and uh, story concepts like written out. They've, they've translated all the drafts and stuff for their brainstorming. Um, they have char- char- character profiles, um, area art. What else? Like they're, they're basically just like anything that you would want to know about the design stuff of any past Final Fantasy is in there pretty much. And so volume one, it's in, there are also these like beautiful hardbound tomes. They're, they're tall size. I forget what the, the dimensions are, but let me be like 14 by that little coffee table book. Yeah. They're a big coffee table book, but uh, <laughs> volume one came out earlier this year and it had, uh, it covered Final Fantasies one through six. And then volume two just came out this past week and it covers seven, eight and nine. And even though this like one only, those. Yeah, even though this one only covers three games, it really goes more in depth on all of them. And there's so much stuff that a I had just I had either forgotten about or didn't really remember. Well, that's the same thing. I didn't remember or I didn't <laughs> like process at the time because uh, I, I was thinking that specifically FF8. I don't think I've played that one in full since around the time it released, and even then, I never beat it myself. I stopped when oh, you really? get to, yeah when you get to Esther. For some reason, I fell off of it, and I've never actually completed it myself. So reading all the design materials and stuff for FF8 really made me want to... Um, Rekindling it? Yeah, it makes you want to go back and replay it. And FF8, I think, has some of the most phenomenal monster design. Yeah. All there's, it's, cool there's, like, so many weird... There's, like, a lot of alien-type creatures and primordial, mm-hmm. like, bestial creatures. Um, it's, it's so impressive. There's so much... And a really cool fusion of... Um, uh, technology and then um uh wow what was i gonna say it, it's cool like the environment's technologically advanced um there's a lot of oh yeah like kind of yeah and the the pre-rendered backgrounds in that game are so lavish and so well executed and i was just saying this on twitter but i really miss pre-rendered backgrounds and i know a lot of it is nostalgia mm. but i think there's something really charming and special about the like late '90s era, maybe early 2000s era of of, of CG, like like the matte paintings, basically. Like what? I think mean, they're basically like all matte paintings. Yeah, I think that there was a lot of really fascinating CG work being done during that time because it was so it was in its early stages, really. Yeah. And before we got into games that had fully traversable like 3D environments that you could rotate the camera in and everything, which is fine. Um, I think that the pre-rendered background kind of allows the artist to express a very particular mood or intention that the player sort of has to interpret as such because they can't, they can't manipulate the environment. So like the, you have to see this area exactly the way the artist intended you to see this area, which yeah. I think is, is really nowadays, cool. It can be so easy to just gloss over that. And I, I mean, 
you know, I, I've definitely seen some moments from like friends of mine, yourselves, uh, like and Caitlin, where like you'll share like screenshots where you've captured like, oh, here's this, this stellar view in Horizon Zero Dawn. Or Derek, you were talking about how you enjoyed just like climbing a mountain and just seeing the view in like Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Like, there's obviously gamers out there who still can appreciate just those random set pieces, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't who just are happy to have the freedom and just go through and just gloss over all that stuff. Whereas you, we have the pre-rendered, you were you're you were forced into like it was there you had to recognize those set pieces Mm -hmm. you couldn't miss it and i and i don't necessarily mean to make it like a value judgment either and saying no better than the other i just think that they communicate something different and i i I think that i think it was special and i kind of miss seeing that more often so um i think ff8 has really phenomenal art design and i've sort of been reawakened to that through reading this ultimania book (laughs) so i highly highly recommend it if you are a fan of final fantasy to like even a moderate degree these books are, they're not too expensive. Um, volume two was on sale this past week for like 16 bucks or something like oh. that. And it's, I mean, these are big, like the retail price. Yeah. They're 40 bucks retail price piece, but um, I've seen them both drop in the, the low tens, you know, 15 to 20 ish. It's so worth it. And then volume mm-hmm. three comes out in, I believe March or April. And that covers uh, 10 through 14. I believe where's the tactics okay, that one? that i'm gonna get yes <laughs> so it's gonna have 12 and 14 i'm sold i could i could be wrong on 14 i know for sure let's see i'm, I'm gonna look this up really fast ff ultimania volume three here we go i'm looking it up everybody on the googles it covers yeah it covers <laughs> it's 10, Google time. 10 through 14 10 11 12 through oh, wow. That's so a big that, one. that release is on april 9th right now on amazon you can pre-order it for uh 29 bucks and you can get five dollars off with their holiday promo so get on it um Um, i was gonna say fun fact with ff8 i did finally end up beating it and when i got to the end all of like the cutscene, all of the or not the cutscene because it wasn't a a full rendered one it was the actual like just where they're talking um in game engine stuff all the text was like gobbledygook it was just all this random like gibberish (laughs) And I was like, oh, weird. And, but it was all kind of, it seemed like after the battle, like everything was surreal. So I thought that's what was, what was supposed to happen. So I just kind of like went through it all. and was like, okay, cool, I guess, whatever. I don't know what just happened. And it wasn't for like a little bit. I looked up something on YouTube and finally saw that like, oh no, my copy just had a weird glitch and a flaw and all the, the, the text got garbled at the end. So I rewatched <laughs> the ending like a few weeks later, like on YouTube and actually understood what happened at the end. Whoa, that is weird. It was bizarre. Yeah. Like it was just all like just all these mixed up letters and I was just like, that's weird. Did it happen every time? I haven't tried doing it again. Uh, I've been wanting to go back through it again because I it was weird. I bounced off FF eight the very first time I ever tried it, and then like a good six, seven years later I tried it again and actually really enjoyed it. So I wouldn't mind going back again. And then yeah, I would like be curious to see if it was just like a one time weird you know, this switch hit that switch hit this thing to garble it, or if it if it's a consistent glitch on my copy on the PlayStation. Yeah, that would be really interesting if it was consistent, right? I could sell that to some glitch monger. <laughs> a glitch monger. <laughs> well, I mean, Rob is a glitch lich, but he's not here, so right. Yeah, him and Annette both. Every time he t- would share a, a glitch story, I was just like, that happened to Annette, or this weird, bizarre thing. She finds glitches a lot too. Mm. It's very funny to watch. It's kind of too bad that Final Fantasy VIII is the one that has been overlooked in terms of these re-releases. Like, it's not on PS4, and it's not going to be on Switch either. Yeah, which I understand is a rights thing because of, I'm thinking, Eyes on Me. Eyes like, uh, yeah, Eyes on You, whatever it is. The yeah, Eyes on Fei Me. Wong's, so. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. the biggest issue, which is weird. And it's just like, can we not just re-record it? Can we not just does Square not have the money to throw at her? Like, what is what's the problem here? Yeah, I mean, uh, when Exceed, uh, yeah, it was Exceed when they did Lunar, this the Silver Star, whatever it was called for yeah. the the one the one for PSP. Uh, it's called uh, Silver Star, oh, Silver, Star Silver Star Harmony, right? Oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. right. When they did that, they re-recorded the the songs. Yeah, and they weren't as good. They weren't Sorry. as good. <laughs> You're right. I said it. Yeah. Derek and I are connoisseurs of the boat song, and uh, it's it's not as good as in the original. Um, well, for me, it was the original of the PlayStation uh, right. release. It's it's certainly mm-hmm. not good enough to sing together and you know. Uh, <laughs> wherever we were where did we sing it were we just at the uh the restaurant that we were having dinner at yeah yeah <laughs> i just love you two just bursting out into i mean we did <laughs> to be fair i'm surprised that that uh no one else like got out their phone and did like an impromptu record you know and then post to to twitter <laughs> Look at these effing weirdos what are they even singing is this aladdin no <laughs> better than aladdin i see no better than aladdin <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, as long as we're going back into the past, Greg, you said you've also been doing some some uh, older games. And speaking of Final Fantasy, even you're doing your own tactics stuff, right? You're I even- was, yes. I F- went F- to uh, some more of the lines. I think I mentioned it on the last episode that, uh, yeah, I picked it up when it was on sale back at Black Friday because it was just like, it's $5. So how can I not? Um, and I just enjoyed the heck out of that game. And I think that's where we got into some conversation about this. But yeah, it's just been nice for you uh, revisiting it, uh, uh, grinding the heck out of that game, uh, getting myself to. I wanted to be a lancer by the time I fought um, uh, Algus. So okay, so I did chapter one. Yeah. So I just started uh, chapter two. The no, the meager is chapter one. I'm forgetting the name of chapter two, but yeah, I just started into that and just kind of running around. I don't even got Boko yet, so I haven't got that far. Um, although I did see a Chocobo named Boko that was just in a random fight as like um, <gasps> like he was a random guest ally. You know how every once in a while you'll get those random encounters yes. where one oh, monsters wow. will be on your side or something like that, but you don't actually recruit them. But his name was Boko, which is weird. <laughs> I you were next to him. I did. Oh, we you saved, have we a history. Him. Mm-hmm. we saved him and yeah uh so it's just it's really nice seeing how much they've spruced up the the localization like i played through it a bit on my back of my ipod before it was went missing but uh it's just a nice reminder of just how much all these story beats hit there's a few moments where it gets a little too ham-fisted how how much they were trying to like make it old english when it's just like you didn't have to go that far as someone who has done shakespearean texts uh, often enough and lives with a Shakespeare file. Um, you didn't have to go that far, but I get what you were going for. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, those, that translation is very flowery, but I think uh, it serves gener- better. It fits, yeah. So that's been a really nice revisit uh, to the past. Um, and the other thing while I've been revisiting in the past through the, this day in gaming videos, one thing when you were mentioning with the uh, Ultimania, how like one through six is in one book. And then we have seven, eight, nine in one book. Uh, noticing when I've been doing games from like the Super Nintendo era to ones in the PlayStation era, as soon as we got 3D graphics, designers really wanted to take time. Like everything got so big and flashy, and like um, FFA is definitely guilty of that with the with its summons. I think we've talked about that in the past. But like everything just takes so much longer. I'll be trying to make these 30 second clips, and like one like 
um, special move animation will just eat up the entire clip. Whereas I could get away with so much more in Final Fantasy uh, like one or something like that. And I think that's just goes to show like with these design books, just how much more went into them when they're like, oh my gosh, we have these discs, we can do so much yeah. uh, and really explore uh, how, how much more we can get into the story and everything. Um, which rolling all that back to, yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics. Like, it's just, it's such a rich game with a big, big world and all those classes and so many abilities to go into that it's just such a delightful playground. Yeah, and I do think that there was, of course, some indulgence on the part of the creators with especially FF8 more than any other one. And these, like, look at these these battle animations. We're going to make the camera linger and swoop. And Oh, yeah, um, the jump from, it to seven, from 7 to 8, for sure. Yeah, because seven was a lot snappier. So I, I do agree that the they they made more of a focus on the whole cinematic angle, but it it served a purpose and it's sort of like uh, reflective of what their values were at the time and when they were creating the game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just one of those things. Like when I was that age, I didn't notice, but now that I'm going back and comparing again, I'm just like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. But good stuff. Mm-hmm. What else were you playing? Baldur's Gate, you said. I had, yes, I had brought up that in the pre-show. Baldur's Gate I was doing for the last This Day in Gaming. Uh, I got into Baldur's Gate sometime last year, and I went through a good chunk of it and then had to, got onto other games and got busy with the website and all that sort of stuff once I joined on RPG Fan. But um, revisiting my old save, uh, I, have a, I have a dwarven fighter cleric who uh, made some good headway through the, the tales of uh, Baldur's Gate. But then I also made a new character, uh, I was talking. We have a um, Dungeons and Dragons channel on Slack for those of us nerds who want to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. It's mostly just Tucker, Eva, and myself, but um, we still like to talk that. But I made up a, a new character. It was a bard that I rolled just like these ridiculously disgusting stats for. That I'm like, well, by dwarf cleric, this elvish half elvish bard is now my new my new main because just like I just rolled really 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 well. So it had like maxed out dexterity and charisma and. Uh, intelligence, so like all like the key things that every bard needs is just like set out the gate, and then even its dumb stats are all like above average. So, mm-hmm. but I've never played a bard in that game, so I'm really interested to see how that kind of works out. It should be fun. Bards are, be. are funky. They're always like the the oddball class in those yeah. sort of more traditional structured uh, well, western first, RPGs. My first actual like D and D experience when I finally committed to an actual campaign. For for a long period of time was playing a bard and I was actually more rewarding than I was expecting it to be. I just kind of did it as like the off color, like, ah, you know, I'm an actor, whatever. I just think it'd be fun to do, but like they actually have a lot of fun utility. Yeah. Shillelagh. <laughs> yes. Just whacking, whacking fools left and right. Well, you've been playing D and D lately too. Do you have any bards in your party? Um, I haven't been playing lately. We had a campaign that ran for about a year and a half. Um, and I was playing a, a half-orc uh, barbarian, and we we did have a bard in the party. Uh, generally, or no, wait, he wasn't a bard. He was um, a ranger. Mm. Jeremy, did we have a bard in the party? We did, Caleb. Like we did have a bard in the party, so I'm asking the peanut gallery. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank we did you, have a bard in the party. He played, he, uh, it was uh, one of our two roommates at the time. He only joined for like maybe a couple of months, and then he kind of ended up dropping out, so we had his character go do something else. Um, yeah, he was like, uh, his character was like, we had to venture through the Underdark for a while. And he was an elf who was in servitude, who had kind of rescued. And he was confused about being rescued because he had been in servitude forever. And then mm. he joined our party and ended up um, healing us a bunch and uh, yeah. generally being 
not that useful besides that. And then we let him go. <laughs> you end up mostly being a support class for sure between your, if you're using your songs right and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, like bards are what you make of them, I think. And some people, I mean, it depends on how you play them. Like they, yeah. they can vary a lot. So Mine was definitely a face, which was really unfortunate because when we started the campaign, we were in a place where no one spoke. I didn't speak any of the languages. So I was like, oh, right. cool. All this like charisma I have is for not all yes. these snake people that I can't even bluff. Gosh just, darn it. I was going to say, just hiss at them, but make it seductive. <laughs> <laughs> to your best. D20 to roll hips. That's uh, that's ro- the way it's meant to be played if critical role has taught me anything. Right. <laughs> well, I was going to say, do you all play All bards are, are seductive, are, are, you know, all about seducing and, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Unless they're a scald, then they just yell stuff. Ah, Sorry. I'd Scanlan, Scanlan will words. forever be the bard in my heart. <laughs> I haven't ever listened to any critical role. I've heard so many good things, but I just have I have as well. Acquisitions Inc. I've listened to a little bit, which is the Petty Arcade one, but Critical Role I've heard really good stuff and have never gotten around to. It is very good. If I can plug another podcast, uh, it would be Critical Role. So nice. you should check it out. Nice. Have you played D yourself, Caitlin? Uh, I played a little bit of D D with some friends. Um couple of years back uh we didn't the campaign didn't last very long i think we we only had um three people plus a dm so it wasn't as easy to like have people jumping off each other and and whatnot and you know always having only three people for a party meant that encounters had to be yeah um and people just eventually kind of uh either lost interest or had other priorities that had to take precedence. So we kind of, yeah, it was fun. Um, while it lasted, um, I learned that I am not good at improv. So, (laughs) but you can still do all right. Uh, So it was okay. I had at least one really awesome, uh, moment where I kicked a lot of ass and was, was like feeling really badass about myself. So what were you? Uh, I was a, Oh gosh, I think I was just a fighter. Um, you can kick a lot about with that, though. I, I I had something where like I found or got a lightning magical sword and like <laughs> had right. a really good roll, and I think I just like completely demolished someone with it, and then I had to give it back because it wasn't my sword, and oh. I I <laughs> should have haggled for it, but. <laughs> That's so I unfortunate know. when you have to yeah. get back a nice toy or you find like something it's nice like, that like nobody in the party can use. This weapon is so cool and powerful and I kicked butt with it. I don't want to give it back to you. Why do you need it? You're going to disappear after this. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Uh, so we definitely have those moments too where like someone has died and they're really like good character. That's like, well, do we have to resurrect them or can we just <laughs> here? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but finality and uh, consequence are what make D&D so interesting. Yeah, that investment in something and then it just goes away. Have either of you done Bards in 14? Yes. Uh, I have not. Bard was my original rating job, which I sucked at, but I did it. And you can play your actual instruments in that or something? Is that a thing? Now you can, yeah. Um, That looks so neat. A couple couple patches ago, or was this? It was a little while back, yeah. Yeah. You basically play like Guitar Hero, more or less? Um. It basically it gives you a keyboard and you can bind keys to like like a piano style keyboard and you can choose what instrument you want to play like sound wise and then you just uh you know play your key your 
your computer keyboard as if it were a piano and it has a bunch of keys and you can shift up and down um, octaves and it's it's pretty cool. Um, Do you use that as a practical thing in battle though or is it just for a no. performance? That's okay. it for just for performance for fun. But in battle, they have a bunch of abilities that like you utilize the instruments, but they're just kind of flavor more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes so, sense. So it would just be a, a really weird, wonky thing to be like, quickly play a song while in the middle of battle. Yeah. Uh, sorry, a song, yeah. go. Hurry up. Song of Storms. Can you do it? Yeah. Know? It'd be really kind of neat, but it would be very impractical for the nature of that game. Yeah. But that's kind of, I still think it's kind of neat that they put that in. Did you go back to your bar when they put that in and do some little little performance art in the streets, Caitlin? I have, I actually have not unlocked it. Uh, oh, yet. it's an actual tiered thing. It doesn't just give it to bars right at the gate. There's um, just a little quest for it. It's a quest that you have to do, and I just haven't bothered uh, because I, I haven't been leveling my bard. Um, I've been focusing more on my casting classes because I want to get that sweet goddess of magic title. Uh, which you have to have all of your casting classes up to 70 and do all their job quests. And uh, I'm, I'm getting close. I am at level 66 on red mage and that's my last caster that I have to get leveled. Well, so, you have a goddess so, of magic in my heart. Ah, you know what? As long well, as we're talking about uh, final fantasy 14, why don't we discuss the upcoming patch? There's yes. let's do that. Yeah. There was just a, a producer from the letter live, which is the, uh, they probably have them like once every month and a half, two months, where the producer of Final Fantasy XIV, Yoshida, will um, get on a live stream and talk about everything that's coming up in Final Fantasy XIV. So in the most recent one, they finally dated the upcoming patch 4.5 called A Requiem for Heroes, and it comes out on January 8th. This is the last major... well. Part one Tech, comes out. Part, yeah, part one of the last major patch before the new expansion Shadowbringers launches next summer. So as of January 8th, we will get um, the conclusion of... There's a storyline that's been going on called the Four Lords storyline where we've had these eight-man boss battles against the, uh, the, the like four deities of the different cardinal directions in Chinese folklore. So Seryu, Suzaku, uh, Byako, and Genbu. And uh, we're about to fight Seryu, who is a snaky guy. And they showed off his new fight. That looks really cool. It's like kind of water-based. And he summons a bunch of snakes to wash you away in a flood and stuff. Um, I'm having flashbacks to uh, to um, Leviathan. I'm, I'm hoping it's not going to be like Leviathan. Yeah, it does look like <clears throat> the arena where you fight Seryu has breakable walls and you can fall off. So he's definitely going to be able to wash you out of the arena. So it looks dangerous. Yeah. Is that what happened with Leviathan? Yeah, yes. you get washed away. Yeah, you like fight uh, him on a raft. The extreme version oh, of the fight didn't yeah. have any rails. Yeah, so he can use his like tidal waves, and you got to watch where he's coming from. And then if he lands on the one side of the raft, everybody goes flying, and you can actually fall off and die. And oh, then, and in that in that instance, you could not be rezzed. This yeah. is before they made it possible where if you fall off a platform, you appear dead after a few seconds so you can be resurrected. If you oh, fell off nice. in Leviathan, you were dead for the rest of the instance. Lost yeah. to the waves. Ugh, that fight sucked so bad. So, uh, yeah, so in the next patch, we've got Seryu, which is, I mean, still, it's going to be a big fight, but it's one of the smaller additions, all things told. They're going to um, bring up the. They're going to wrap up the Return to Evilise raid series, which I'm super excited to see. I'm sure you are too, Caitlin. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He hasn't shown up yet. 
and Ooh. I feel like he's got to. He's yeah, got right? to because yeah, it's kind he of was a, in a the big art deal. for the yeah for the first one they had him as like the promo art and he hasn't shown up yet. Um, they okay. did show in the newest trailer like a, a brief shot of Ramza from behind and he's wearing his mercenary armor from chapter is that chapter three or four of FF Tactics? I can't remember. Chapter, uh, chapter two, I think sure. he gets back. Yeah, it's the one well, with like the, which, the black yeah. shoulder spikes. Yeah. Oh, that's, chapter, that's two. chapter two. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Then I, 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 don't I thought know. you meant the butt plate armor, which is chapter four. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about then. Oh, I know. So, what you're talking about. Yes. Although this one shows off his butt too. He's got the leather, tight leather pants. <laughs> Good for him. Um, so maybe it means that. he'll be less of a dick. Yeah, I, I wonder if uh, either he's going to be possessed by a good Ramza or like he's going to finally apologize or what. Because the Ramza that's been in the story this far in FF14 has just been such an ass. Yes, I uh, hate him. Yeah, he sucks. He's so, definitely a sweet boy in uh, in Chapter 1, and if that's the one they were trying to allude to. So it's weird. Yeah, I think I think they're very intentionally making him different. To, yeah. to what end, I'm not sure, but... Um, yeah. And also with the the return to Evil East conclusion, we will get so the the dungeon we're going to be going to is called Orban Monastery, so it's going to call back to the opening scene of FF Tactics, in some way, and uh, they teased a very brief shot of a Viera's legs, Fran's legs specifically. So it looks like those guesses that uh, Viera are going to be the next race are probably true, as well as the cameo for Fran. So that's very and exciting. And maybe Balthier. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll show up. Seems kind of weird to have Fran without Balthier. Yeah, you'll <clears> be able to get Balthier's. Yeah, you get Balthier's armor as a reward from this raid for Machinist. So maybe they'll have other ones. I'm really hoping that they'll have Gabrant's Judge armor for the tank classes. That'd be great. That'd be sweet. Yeah, I want ba- I want Bosch's potholder. <laughs> yeah, Mom's potholder. Yeah. Yes. I like that code actually. Um, so. In addition to that, uh, let's see what else. So this is going to be the first half of them wrapping up the Stormblood storyline, which is a huge deal because it's the expansion pack that released um, about a year and a half ago. And, or, yeah, thereabouts. So we're finally getting into the, the new the new storyline and figuring out why we're looking at a potential calamity of light and stuff. So it's a pretty big patch. Um, the, the other really big thing is they're releasing the Blue Mage job at last, which is... Um, yeah, it's taking a different form from uh, other jobs in the game. We've discussed this in the show a little bit already, but it's yeah. a it's a limited job, whatever that means. Or rather, what limited job means is that it's capped at a lower level and it's intended to be played solo with some specific solo content. But um, they did announce that they're releasing that a week after the patch releases on January 8th. So that'll be out on, what, the uh, 15th. Yeah. And uh, that'll be very exciting. So FF14 continues to steam ahead with amazing high quality content. And I'm very excited to see how some of these storylines wrap up coming up to the, uh, the new expansion. So me too. I want to see tiny little judges running around now that you said that. <laughs> yeah. Like Lollafell's in the little judges. Yes. yes. Little yeah. Lollafell judges just being intimidating AF. <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, are, are either of you all Christmas out? Cause I know they have like some Christmas bear costumes and some Santa stuff. Uh, right now, there's a, a holiday event. It's actually really cute. This year, the the Starlight Festival is that what it's called? Starlight. Yes, that sounds familiar. Yeah. I focus on ad for it. Yeah, the the way that it's taken shape this time is you are being a conductor for a chorus performance. So you just run around and like you do a, a couple quests to talk to some NPCs, and then you play a little rhythm game where um, you're conducting a, oh, a choir. Wow. 
and you have to hit the buttons in time to the music. And that's cute. Yeah, it is really cute. It's kind of basic, but it's fast at least, which is nice. Yeah, it's it's cool that they were able to implement something like that within Final Fantasy fourteen. So it shows to me that they can uh, maybe build upon that in the future. <laughs> oh, and the achievement that you get for completing it, because it takes place in Gridania, the achievement that you get is called like Theater of the Gridanium or something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's cute. They That's they know cute. what they're doing with that. Mm-hmm. Bring back Theater Rhythm. I want more. Oh my god! I was out again yesterday. I went to the uh, Round One Arcade out here in Illinois. It was in uh, where was I? Bloomingdale. I don't know where I am. I've only lived in the city for like six months, guys. Um, so it's it's like about an hour and fifteen minute uh, car ride out west from from Chicago, where I live. So uh, I don't have a car anymore, but uh, one of my buddies was very kind and uh, drove us out there yesterday. And so I was able to play on the theater rhythm All Star Carnival machine again. Nice uh, again. It's so good. I can I I wish that was closer. Um, I'm just I'm just it. grateful I can access it at all. But that's a hike for an arcade day. It is, yeah. Do you and do other like, stuff out there? Or? Um, yeah, there's actually, funny enough, there's a Japanese marketplace way out that way called Mitsua. And they have, like, the Kinukuniya bookstore inside. And uh, it's just, it's like a huge supermarket, basically. But they have a bunch of mini stores inside. So we, like, and, and like, a food court. So we just, we went out there and got lunch. It was, like, a very weeaboo day. But uh, <laughs> it was a good time. So, um, yeah, Theater of the All-Star Carnival. I really, really, really hope they port that to Switch because it is still, still getting updated in the arcades. They uh, they added new songs to it on uh, December 19th. That's, um, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, we talked about this before on the show. Theater of the could have kept getting updates. Like, 15 was, like, right on the horizon and all that sort of stuff. So it was kind of shocking that they're just like, okay, we're done supporting this and we're not making any more. Now we're going to go maybe make a Dragon Quest one, but... Yeah. Like there's still so much life in this series, clearly, and so much money for them to make that it's just like, why not? I could see them maybe doing um like once they get ready to discontinue support for the arcade version, they could do a switch that has, you know, yeah. everything. But I sooner rather than later, please. I right? want that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would translate very well to that. But that's so very too. neat, all this stuff on the uh the horizon for uh for I don't know. Every time we talk about updates for 14, I'm just like, maybe I should just start playing that now with all that time. I clearly have. It's, it's really good. It is a time sink though. I mean, it is free up to a certain point in the moment. I probably could just like go through that content for kicks. Yeah, you could do that. And then if you like it, you can continue. And I've always been, uh, I had this question in my mind, like battles, like um, Leviathan, Susano, and uh, any of these big giant, epic fights are they necessary to the story or are they just more like grinding quests to like get sweet gear some of the primals are are story related now that if they are story related it's always the easier version of the fight right um you never have to do the extreme fights for anything story related that's always you know on your own prerogative Mm -hmm. um but then there are some primals that are uh side quests like um in the Heavensward patch, um, after Thornton, all of the primals that you fight are a side quest story. Um, so okay. you don't have to, you don't actually have to do them in order to progress the main story. Um, and similarly, Stormblood, the four lords are all side quest primals that you don't actually have to do in order to complete a main story. Gotcha. And they just toggle, like when you're talking to the quest, like which version of them you want to do, if you want to do the extreme or not, or... 
Um, the the first time you encounter any of them, it's always like the normal or easy version. That makes the, sense. Yeah, yeah you, like you have to do it. It's just part of whatever storyline will be for that fight. And right. then you'll unlock the ability to revisit it at a higher difficulty. There's usually a little quest attached to each one too. Like for some reason, the, the primal came back even stronger. Can you defeat it? Yes, like, of course. Yeah. It's all we're good for. And I'm sorry, I misspoke. Thorn's not the last story primal in Heaven's Word. Nidhogg is. Mm. Oh, that's right. He does come count. I got I got I, I did not make a mistake. Uh, Final Fantasy Super fans who were listening, <laughs> I, I I just forgot about Nidhogg because. Honestly, who remembers Nidhogg anyway? I mean, it's a really cool fight. It is. I, I was making a joke about how Nidhogg himself is forgettable, but oh yeah. Do you fight for the Zodiac Stones at all in um in the Eldia Ivalis stuff? Like, do you fight Quaquilane and Ares and all that kind of stuff? And... Uh, you fight. They they've brought up the Zodiac Stones, like the Aura Site. They're calling them right. Yes, and that's hidden twelve. Mostly, you've been we've been fighting Final Fantasy twelve espers. Okay, nothing from actual tactics. Um, well, you fight uh, like Algus basically right. transforms into a giant demon thing, and I forget what the name of it is. As Algus would. Yeah, and then also, uh, who was the final boss of the second one, Caitlin? Uh, the oh, final uh, boss of is is uh, Yasmat from twelve. Yeah. But you fight uh, worker um, eight. Not worker Nine. eight. It's the other worker, I forget the number. Oh my god, I'm bad. Oh, the one that you don't recruit. The the evil one from Tactics, the one that you have yeah. to fight. Yeah. Sure. Fight him in uh, 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 Yeah. And I think the rest are twelve because you also fight Baileus. Baileus is kind of technically both because oh, Baileus yes, is in the Tactics. Worker seven. That's what you're thinking of. Worker seven. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> the other direction. <laughs> We're going up. Yeah. We want to go down. So Orban, Orban is going to be interesting because the first two 24-man dungeons, the names are from 12. You started with Rabanaster and Ritterana, and both of them origi- uh, eventually transitioned into a tactics location. Um, Rabanaster eventually we became Lesalia, and uh, Ritterana translates or becomes uh, Gog, the machine city. So, but here we're starting with Orban, and I'm wondering if it's going to be a reverse where it's going to start in a tactics location and end in a 12 location, or if it's just going to be tactics the entire way through. Hmm. I mean, and also, what bosses are we going to fight? Um, I believe I saw a screenshot of a, uh, a, a, a was it Absolute Virtue from 11? Yeah, so... I think. I wonder if that's going to be there, if that's going to be for Eureka. Since Eureka has oh, been yeah. so based in FF11 stuff. The arena, I don't know, the arena kind of looked like it was, wasn't it in like a uh, a building though? Like Yeah, it we? was. I don't, I don't remember too much because I just saw a brief snippet of it too, but yeah. Yeah. Doesn't quite make a lot of sense for it to be in... Uh, in Orban, since it should be all tactics and twelve bosses, so maybe, maybe, maybe it is Eureka, and there's just some kind of similar-looking environments, or we're all making assumptions about what Orban's going to even look like. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell with the the trailers are cut in such a way to like blend everything together as well. So. Yeah, like and all the voiceover is like it's anyone's guess what the context is of what's being said, like how it's going to actually play out in the, uh, 
the main story sequences. I mean, they, 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 they're good at this. They, they're good at making trailers that make you think, you know, Oh, this is what's happening. And then suddenly it's no, it's, it's this other thing. Right. Buried that lead. Yeah, exactly. The lead is buried. Well, when you get your plushies. Oh, sorry. What plushies? Caitlin was after plushies. Plushies. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. So they, uh, (laughs) <laughs> they released some of the um, the plushies that were originally only available at FanFest um, this past, uh, uh, oct- no, it was last month, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. November. Yeah. Um, so the Alpha plushie, the adorable Chocobo uh, buddy that you get to uh, hang with if you're doing the uh, Omega uh, raid uh, storyline in Stormblood, and the... Super, super adorable Otter Otter are now available on the main Square Enix store if you wanted to get them and you did not go to FanFest. So I just, I felt really bad, but it's like I had to get them. (laughs) I bought both. They're in the mail. (laughs) They're in the mail, yeah. (laughs) And uh, also Alpha from FF14 is going to be a job for the Chocobo in Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon Everybody on Switch. Yeah, what's his job going to do? What is he going to do? Um, he uses like special. It said he's kind of an all-arounder uh, with even stats, and then his special ability is using cards. Like in in fourteen, he uses cards a few times that have special effects. So oh, neat! Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for everybody. I'm I'm wanting to get that uh, when we get our our switch. Mm-hmm. So that's adorable. I'm glad that like Alpha is is the cutest thing to come out of Stormblood. So. <laughs> I'm very glad that they're continuing to utilize them. And it doesn't feel oversaturated yet. So hopefully they don't get it there. Mm-hmm. Very cute. Well, I'm excited to see everything that uh, Patch 4.5 has to offer when it launches in early January. So that's going to be yes. very, very exciting. Uh, Jan- I mean, January is going to be packed anyway because that's what we have that. We have Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition coming out and like a few days after. And then Kingdom Hearts 3 finally comes out in January. Not that anybody's been waiting for that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm very curious about it. Yeah. It's gonna I be a big one. I will. I think I will. Um, yeah. I might I might be uh, reviewing it for uh, my other outlet CGM, so we'll see. Fun. Yeah. Um speaking of game announcements and upcoming yes. games, Falcom at a recent shareholders meeting finally revealed what their mystery title was. For a while they had this countdown site with a bunch of uh, or with a, with a piece of mysterious artwork that just said I think it said Monster Knox or something or just oh it was Project NOX. And uh, they finally revealed that it is actually East 9 Monstrum Knox. It is a PS4 exclusive and it's coming to at least in Japan and it's coming out in Japan in 2019. This is the latest entry in the East series that takes place after East 8, La Carmosa of Donna. And it features, uh, the setting is like on this place, this prison island, where there are these prisoners that are all called Monstrum, and they have special powers. And uh, that's really about all we know. <laughs> I feel like, once again, Falcom is taking influence from another developer. In this case, um, it feels very Persona 5. It's like mm-hmm. prison-themed, break out of the prison and stuff, so... It's a little on the nose, but generally, even when Falcom, with the exception of Tokyo Xanadu, which I honestly think is just terrible, um, with the, Falcom generally knows how to make make their own interesting twist on stuff, even if they kind of liberally borrow from other concepts. So 
Um, we've only gotten a couple of screenshots. They ha None of them include Adol. It seems like Adol will still be in this one, but that's not confirmed yet. But uh, regardless, a new East game is always very exciting, and we can look forward to that coming out in 2019 in Japan. Um, I'm sure it'll come out here. Like, why would At it? the worst, it'll be uh, not at all. It'll be what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <sighs> anyway. that Sorry, big, that, Greg got fired. That took a second. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it's very exciting. Um, big, big East fan here, obviously. So I can't wait to see what happens with that. I want to see more footage. I want to see more characters. Um, mm -hmm. So far, they've only shown off uh, one character, really, and it looks like a, a hooded woman with like black hair. The, the designs are very edgy for this one. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what everybody looks like. So it should series be... I still need to get into. Yeah, you sure do. Play uh, Oath and Felgana on Steam. Yes, boss. Okay, do it. <laughs> and also, I wanted to give some attention and a shout out to a very exciting free project that released today, as of this recording. Oh. The... Uh, everybody, not everybody knows, but many people are aware of OC Remix, Overclocked Remix, the video game music oh, yes. arrangement community, and they have been putting out um, free, you know, free music based on video games since uh, like the early 2000s, if not earlier. I can't remember when they got their start, but I've been going to OC Remix as long as I have had an internet connection, and they are continuing to put out amazing community-driven. Uh, video game music projects, and the latest is a Skies of Arcadia remix album. Um, it is the 15th anniversary of Skies of Arcadia, and just in time, they have released this brand new remix album. It's got, oh my gosh, how many tracks? Um, it's got 47 songs um, arranged from the Skies of Arcadia soundtrack, and the album is called Arcadia Legends, and you can download it completely for free over at ocremix.org, so um, check it out. I just got it today, and I, I haven't listened to any of it yet, but I am very excited. It is four discs, you guys. Four discs of like free music based on Skies of Arcadia. How cool is that? And that's one game that I would absolutely love to see a, a modern port of on anything. If they can do it for Grandia 1 and 2 on Switch, they can do it for Skies of Arcadia, damn it. I think yes. it would definitely do well. We all want that. It's one I'd like to go and actually play. It's one I missed out on. You hear that, Sega? We want it. Yeah, Sega's definitely listening to this podcast. So Sega, please... Port guys of Arcadia. <laughs> Gotta to, port uh, fast. Switch or something. Gotta port fast. They can even do like a Yakuza tie-in or something. I don't care. Just just bring it to us. <laughs> oh, right? oh yes. Let's do it with costumes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That actually be really cool too, because um there are no costumes in the original Skies of Arcadia. It'd be nice to have the option to swap things out if you wanted to. <laughs> that could be a good modernization. And then you know, like, even if they wanted to monetize it, they could sell costumes but leave everything else intact, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it would, it would be well Cross cross platform uh, or cross uh, game promotion is never a bad thing in this day and age. Not really. I mean, I could probably think of an example if I really sat on it. But yeah, so probably true. Whatever gets guys of arcade in my hands. Okay, okay. <laughs> Did you um, listen to the songs of? Darkness and Light, the the second Densetsu three album that they just put yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah. solid too. So if we have anything to take from that, this will probably be good stuff. Mm -hmm. OC Remix is full of really talented peeps, and even if like I can even say honestly, throughout a lot of the the albums, it's not like I don't think every track on every album is a winner. Um, no. Sometimes they don't appeal to me, uh, specific style, genres, um, execution, whatever. Agreed. But I I mean, if you get an, an album of four, you know, four discs, forty seven tracks. 
chances are at least a handful of them aren't going to be to your taste, but that's okay because the other 40-something will be. So. Well, exactly, right? Yep. Cool. Also, and speaking of, because I'm not sure if we brought this up on uh, the last episode, but speaking of tribute uh, albums, um, there was a recent tribute album from Materia Collective for Xenogears called right. Omega. Omega, yes. Thanks for yes. bringing that up. And that is also, uh, let's see, it's also just about 40 something odd tracks. One, basically, it's a remix of every track from the original soundtrack by a vast collective of talented artists. Um, as Material Collective, you know, if you've listened to any of their their uh, tribute remix albums, that's what they do. Is they they are masters at gathering a bunch of different talented artists from around the world and having them come together to make the most uh, varied and awesome tribute album you've ever heard. Um, and this time it was Senogear's turn. So that's also very worth checking out. Um, I've listened to the whole thing and it's, there's a lot of good stuff on that too. So Delightful. with material, they do more arrangements, less like remixes, correct? Uh, I mean, it, I, that can be the same thing. Yeah. That's fair. I was going to say, Depends on your definition of remix and arrangement, because yeah. yeah. Well, I guess they are. Uh, well, I guess getting less to they 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 aren't as much into like the roots of I guess what I would think of remixes sometimes as is completely like restructuring the song and then also throwing in a lot of um, extra min- instrumentation uh, that changes the format to being more like yeah like a drum mix uh, drum mix dance mix whatever sort of that end of things where I usually would for myself qualify arrangements and rearrangements to stick more to the, towards their traditional roots, just kind of embellish them more with a more fuller orchestra and such like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think those definitions are relatively interchangeable. Um, mm. It depends on like the, the probably I think the person who would be qualified to say whether it's an arrangement or a remix is the person doing it. Yeah. I, whatever they wanted to, to label it as. Uh, but yeah, I, I get what you mean. There could be a distinction there. I yeah. don't know that I uh, have put as much thought into like drawing it though. Yeah. Or is it just material? Yeah. I guess what's basically I'm asking is material collective, very similar to the collective of groups of folks that work at, or that are putting time into OC remakes as well, where you, it's going to be just as much the same. Some are going to be just small orchestral tweaks, whereas other things are going to be full on like complete right. changes. Right. I just haven't experienced as much of uh, material collectives music as all. Well. Yeah. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. It's it's very much kind of a variety. Some of them okay. are very uh, straight uh, remixes um, that either use like more uh, natural instruments, um, depending on like, you know, some of these uh, original uh, music, um, the original soundtrack that they're drawing from was using MIDI sounds. So some, right. of, some of them are straight and are just like trying to stay very true to the original sound, but to... Uh, updated and then others are much more interpretive um doing that kind of thing you were talking about where they like they they play with the uh play with the rhythm or they play with the melody or they they change it up a little bit there's some that i there's one track from omega that i on my first listening to it i actually did not know what track it was drawing from um without looking at the track list uh from the uh the original soundtrack. Um, mm. So, you know, stuff like that. Um, 
but those are some of the most interesting uh, arrangements sometimes where they, they, they really take and they, they rework it so much that it stands on its own um, as something like if you listen to it, you wouldn't necessarily immediately say, oh, well, this is that track from this soundtrack. Um, but I find it's kind of nice. Yeah. When that happens too, that when you start hearing those little bits of melodies, you're like, Oh, there it is. But yeah, I really like the direction they've taken it in and making it very much their own, but still with the obvious inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, it's good stuff. I mean, speaking of video game, um, soundtrack stuff from Square Enix, there's, there's a bunch of things coming out in the next few months. Oh, yeah. Like they, they, we've got the Octopath Traveler break and, uh, what is it? Break and boost arrangement album coming out in March. It's a rock one or something. If I, what is it again? Uh, I don't think they've really announced exactly what it's going to be. Okay, I'm but, just thinking. Yeah, but it's just a like it's some kind of arrangement album for Octopath, and then they just announced on the actually the Final Fantasy 14 letter from the producer live. They announced that there's going to be a Final Fantasy 14 piano collections finally. Yes, yay! Yeah, that comes out in really pretty. Yeah, around the same time. I want to say like March ish, maybe April. <laughs> So no longer will they be shackled to the rock remixes. I know which their own thing. I'm not really fond of those actually. Um, I don't really care much for the really like, I'm just not really a big fan of heavy metal in general. So I think it's telling that my favorite piece from either of those albums was the acoustic version of oblivion. (laughs) So yeah. So uh, take it down a notch is what Caitlin's asking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe just a smidgen, not too much. Well, it's like so many of those tracks are rock remixes of pieces that are already rock pieces, right? You yeah, know, it's like, it really doesn't feel very inventive. Yeah, yeah, they took the rock and they made it more more rock. Let's roll it more. Um, and wasn't there a jazz thing recently that you were looking yeah, at? Which yeah, is very Squ- exciting to me. Square Enix Jazz Volume 2 just released this past week, and um, I was very pleased to find that it is available on U.S. iTunes. The album is like 15 Ooh. bucks, and it's got... Uh, it's not as, as long as some of these other crazy ones. It's got 12 songs, uh, but I'm actually really, really happy with it. I've been listening to it over the past few days, and it's got some great tracks in there. It's got uh, the title theme from Legend of Mana, it's got Song of the Ancients from Near, a wind scene from Chrono Trigger, um, Apocalypse Noxus from FF15. Yeah, there's and some Saga stuff, The Encounter with Seven Heroes from, I think that's Romancing Saga 2. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really, really good choices on there. Oh, it just fell into my shopping cart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't forget, you can get it digitally as well as physically. Because I think if you go with the Square Enix store or something, it's going to cost you quite a bit more to get a physical CD. But... It's uh, it's great stuff. Also, speaking of shopping carts, it's funny because we were talking about the FF14 merch, and I've pulled up the Square Enix store, and I'm looking for the Alpha plushie, so I can add into my cart as well. Yes. Yeah. So. Bring him home, Derek. Bring him home. He deserves to be brought home. He does. He He's such a um, good boy. He is him the and good. Marius, both mm, our babies. Hey, um, so as long as we're talking about shopping and, and, and material stuff, or maybe non-material stuff, Greg had a really great idea just before we recorded the episode. He thought that we should talk about um, what games maybe we didn't get around to in 2018 since it was so full of releases, and yep. that if you celebrate Christmas, um, games that you would like to see under your tree, whether it's a, a real tree or a digital tree, as it were. So, so like, what games would you like to get as the year is drawing to a close that you haven't gotten around to. 
Um, I'll start with you, Greg, since you're the one who brought the idea. Certainly. Um, under my Christmas tree, um, two of the biggest games that I really am sad I missed out on this year were Octopath Traveler and uh, uh, oh, that was that this year or just before just Christmas last. Octopath? That was this year. That, that was, was this year. July. Okay, cool. It's been such a blur. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, Octopath was one I was like probably one of my most anticipated things for when I saw Octopath tease way back when I was like, that's what I want to switch for that game right there. Uh, so that's probably my biggest hit with a close run art being Dragon Quest 11. Uh, I just want some really nice uh, traditional RPG time, but I just love how you've all talked so spoken so highly of Octopath Traveler and how it handles the old with the new, both in terms of how it's presented itself and just with the mechanics and stuff at work. I know it's got a few misgivings here and there, but what doesn't have a flaw? Uh, But it seems like they've gotten a really good direction with everything that's been learned over this team's pedigree between Bravely, Default, and all that sort of stuff to kind of make a really fantastic game for the Switch. And yeah, that's one that I've... My fear of missing out hasn't been too crazy, but I've definitely just been like, "Uh, when... Yeah, that makes sense. So those, those are your biggest ones? I would say so. And yeah, with Dragon Quest XI, uh, I've been uh, enjoying... I have only really played 9 was the first one I ever got into. And then since then, I've kind of gone back and dabbled. Uh, I had spoken on one of the retro encounters about how I was playing with uh, Final Fantasy V, or uh, Dragon Quest V, and was really enjoying some of the more old school stuff. And you've all spoken very highly of 8, uh, mm-hmm. which I really would love to pick up on 3DS at some point. But 11, what again, was looking really awesome. And uh, again, hearing a lot of good stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Not the soundtrack, but everything else. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is It is excellent, aside from the soundtrack. Exactly. You might have done the right thing by waiting, though, because we've gotten some details about the Switch version, which sounds like it's going to have extra content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I think it might be worth, is holding out for that one. Yep. There's a... I don't want to get into it, because it's... Um, it's not even like the hugest spoiler. It's just a, a thing that you can do late game that they're making some alterations to, but mm. we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that. So, but, they, yeah. I think they mentioned they were going to have an announcement on New Year's. Is mm. that what I heard? Oh, that'll be exciting. So, yeah. Well, then, so, yeah. I'll know what uh, what I have to look forward to next year. Um, but yeah, those are my, my big Christmas presents. Um, and you know, you can throw a Final Fantasy 12 under there as well. I'll take that. Oh, yeah. But again, it's coming to Switch on as well, Switch. Too. So I'm gonna be like, all right, well, I waited for the right time. My dream <laughs> of being able to play 12 on the go is finally going to come true. Yeah, so you're, you're gonna rebuy it for sure, Caitlin. Oh, of course I am. <laughs> I've been I, I've been bad. I haven't bought the PC version, and I really should because I can't call myself, you know. A Final Fantasy 12 mega fan if I don't own all the different versions. <laughs> but I mean, you have it on PS4, right? Yes. Yeah. I have it on PS4. And I still have my PS2 copy. Do you have like somewhere. the big Steelbook one or? Um, yes. The, the original yeah. launch. Okay. I got the Steelbook one as well. It's very satisfying how weighty that case is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, what about you, Caitlin? What games would you like to get? Uh, well, what games do you already know that you're getting thanks to Amazon wishlist spoiling your surprises? <laughs> oh, well, what I am getting is I'm getting no. Um, God of War is a big one for me. Um, really? Because, yeah, I surprising myself because I really got turned off uh, of the series after three. I, I actually really hated uh, God of War three. Um, but I, 
this game, this, you know, reboot, sequel, whatever you want to call it, I think might actually be perfect for someone like me who liked the original series up until a point and bounced off of it. Um, because it does sound like they are, they have, you know, they have redefined uh, both the game itself and uh, to a certain extent, uh, the character uh, of Kratos a little bit. Um, so I'm excited to see uh, what that is all about. It certainly looks beautiful and I, uh, I can be bought to a certain extent by, by beautiful graphics. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the biggest like graphics, you know, uh, whore out there. It's not the only thing I care about, but if a game looks really pretty, you know, that's, that's gets me a little bit more interested in it. Um, but yeah, I, I never got around to it because of, uh, either time or money, um, and just sort of kept putting it off and I'd like to see, what it's like and if it can rekindle my interest in the series. Um, and then I would also mention Octopath Traveler because I was I also did not pick that up uh, when it came out and I feel bad about it, but uh, I definitely want to, uh, to experience it. And my Switch uh, is always uh, very happy to have more RPGs on it. Um, it's kind of becoming an RPG machine, but... Uh, so it goes. That seems to be a thing with my handhelds. Is they they basically become RPG machines. Yeah, you both have a lot of really fun stuff to look forward to. Then it sounds like. Yep. Yeah, we've uh, we, we've missed some of the real gems that were that everyone's just been so high on that, but everyone gets to live vicariously through our wonder as we re-explore these for the first time. Right. I mean, it's been such a jam-packed year. I don't I don't blame you guys for not having been able to keep up on everything. Yeah. Um, for my part, I I tried my hardest to stay on top of all the big releases this year, and there were some that I prioritized for sure. And I, I feel like I've, I've gotten to play most of everything I wanted that came out this year, but there are a handful of things that I haven't, and most of those have released within the last month or two, um, many of them this month. So I mentioned before that I'm, I'm interested in trying Hades, the new game from Supergiant. And it's only 20 bucks. Um, I'm not really on board with buying an early access game to be honest with you but the gameplay it looks like it's already kind of solidified into a game and they're just going to be iterating on it via like you know season updates more or less so as long as that's the case i'm i'm okay with that so um, i might pick that up um, i'm interested in checking out capybara games's new uh, below oh yeah i forgot that was coming which has been teased for many years. And uh, I've heard some mixed things on it. I've heard it can be kind of frustrating. So, mm. uh, and uh, due to like more balance type things. So I'm kind of hoping that if I wait a few weeks that they will make some updates to it. So I'm going to hold on to that for a little bit. Greece came out this past month. Uh, that's G-R-I-S, like the Spanish word. For oh, gray. yes, yes. Gris. Yeah. Also uh, in French. And maybe it is French, yeah. Um, it's that beautiful painterly, um, like, sort of dreamscape 2d platformer um looks absolutely gorgeous i would love to check that out and that's also not too expensive so did it have rpg mechanics in it? i can't remember i haven't looked at no, much no it's just like platforming gotcha so it's just straight up okay yeah and uh two more uh the first dlc pack for nino kuni 2 came out this past week with almost no fanfare 
It is the uh, oh jeepers, yeah, I didn't yeah. even know. <laughs> yeah, what is it called? It's like the Lost Labyrinth or Labyrinth or something or other. That sounds Super familiar. Cute. And uh, I've heard it's not the like the meatiest thing. It's it's basically like a hundred floor randomly generated dungeon, which is eh. But there's Just also some end game stuff. Yeah, there's like a couple of new skill like skill trees that are accessible to I want to say that Evan, the main character, and Bracken, the inventor girl. Um, so each of them can access some like new types of skills, which is kind of cool. And then they have some uh, story events that flesh out the characters' backstories and some of the char- the NPCs from along the way, who um, I think didn't get fleshed out enough. So I'm curious to check it out. I haven't been like dying to do it just because I feel like I'll have to kind of reacclimate myself to Nino Kuni two and like relearn the game and figure out. You know, I had beaten it, so it's like, all right, you know, what goals do I want to pursue or whatever? So. It might um, be nice though because they they added more difficulty options. So they did, yeah. Because the the base game was like way too easy. It's way too. That's easy, right. Yeah. You were saying that. Yeah. Yep. So I'd like to check that out. And then the final thing I would love, love, love to check out Jimmy and the Pulsating Mass, which is uh, it's on Steam. It is heavily inspired by Earthbound in terms of its graphical style, but it is supposed to be a pretty dark. Um, like RPG about it's like a retro style RPG about a, a young boy and his um, experiences with the world and stuff. And we had a review I'm pulling up who did it. It was a uh, Zach Wilkerson reviewed the game for us uh, on the site. He gave it a 93% and an editor's choice award. He describes it as a quirky, hilarious, emotional experience that simply shouldn't be missed. So it looks, it looks really, really good. And I like the idea of a blend of earthbound style sensibilities with um, sort of like, macabre thematic elements so uh, a lot of the screenshots are very enticing so i think that was zach's first review for us too since he joined Mm -hmm. i can't remember but congrats zach yeah what a good first game to review congrats so those are my you know five not too much right um and then this i guess i'll cheat and slip one more and not that i've finished (laughs) A stocking server. It's a stocking yeah, server. It's okay. Right. Um, well, you know, we're still we're still waiting to hear news on a localization of Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel Three or Senoki Seki Three. But I've had the Japanese version for a while, and I've like, I don't know. I I put it in sometimes, and I chip away at it a little bit here and there. But you know, my Japanese is like upper intermediate, and so it takes me a lot of kind of brain power to get through because I'm you know I'm not like I'm not super super fluent. So like. Uh, I wouldn't even say that I'm fluent. Like I'm, I'm proficient, but not fluent. So it's, it's still like it's taxing to get through. And I feel like I would rather play it in English if at all possible. So I'm sort of holding out hope that we'll hear something about uh, Trails of Cold Steel Three. But in the meantime, you know, I have the Japanese version, and um, the fourth one, Senoki Seki Four, came out just about a month or two ago in Japan. So I would, I would love to, to play that and since that technically released in 2018 even though it wasn't in the u.s i want to play three and four at some point so those are my answers i had a lot yeah that's okay well Derek, yeah. since since Derek had so much i'm gonna also append my list with dragon <laughs> quest 11 and valkyria chronicles 4 which oh, are nice. two other rpgs that i didn't get around to and i want to god it's like i forget that so many of these games came out this year because it's just yeah i'd forgotten no Cody came out this year and i was like right, right? I I t- play yeah as well. and i reviewed it <laughs> yeah same i totally forgot i forgot this year. oh gosh hell? 
there's yeah it's a it's a good problem to have but it's yeah it's definitely been a long year for games i think my number one christmas wish that i would append to my list is just more time to catch up on stuff so i can get to you know this year's releases right yeah Mm -hmm. i think i've got i'm it's it's never a sure thing with freelance work but i think i've got this upcoming christmas week off so i'm hoping that i can use that time to really catch up on my games nice yeah i just started a four-day for myself for a weekend until we Excellent. go back to some serving. So hopefully I and can it's, dabble. It's not like 2019 starts off running either. Oh no, wait, it does. Right. <laughs> yeah, with the 13th with month the, of 2018. And yeah. Then... <laughs> between Kingdom Hearts and there's also the uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tales of Asperia uh, port uh, yep. is coming out next month. I and then I was going to say something with the Vatican. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, actually really it's... excited to revisit Vesperia, to be honest. Me too. Yeah. It's one of the best but ones. The and age old it... choice of do I get it on Switch or do I get it on PS4? I don't you say that like there's a choice. Or do I get them both? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was kind of thinking that too. I guess as long as the performance is good on Switch, then I, I would choose Switch. And That's it's it, it's like a last gen game, so I feel like it's not going to be pushing the system as much. So I would probably go for Switch. Tales is yeah, another series I, think, I haven't gotten into. I apologize to everybody. I think um, the only major difference from what they've said is that uh, the PS4 version will have um, a higher frame rate in battle, I think. Oh, that makes sense. Um, um, I think it's they all have 60 frames in battle, and then the Switch version oh, is 30 frames yes. outside of battle, but the PS4 version is, is 60 frames even outside of battle. So Yeah, that's what they said. Now, of Which course, is- you know... That's what they're saying. We have to see how it actually performs because yeah. there's probably going to be dips. But come on, Digital Foundry, do us do us a video. And now I was going to say, analyze what? Analyze that. <laughs> analyze that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of this. Is- Derek Kingsbergen can be hired for professional reviews using yeah. uh, his great linguistic terms. I can be. I'm I'm a wordsmith. There was a weirdly enough this is a tiny tangent but i was looking at some of the the sales like on steam and psn that are going on for the holidays uh, and star ocean 4 got a, a remake in 2017 it's it's called star ocean the last hope 4k and full hd remaster that is the full title of the game um it is currently 50 percent off on playstation plus and uh, it's on sale on steam as well and i was kind of curious it. well Don't you know do it <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hate Star Ocean Four. I think the things that I didn't like about Star Ocean Four were the uh, the voice acting, and um, a little bit of the characterization. But I thought the gameplay in Star Ocean Four is phenomenal. Literally nothing that a that a, an upresed port is going to fix. Well, but it is the the. I played the Xbox 360 version, and so this is based on the PS3 version, which has the Japanese voice option available. And the uh, um, like the anime styled character portraits instead of the weird uncanny CG ones, so you can actually like make this a little bit more palatable, I think. But Derek uh, Kibben wants to get you away from your abuser. You should no, listen. that's okay because Star Ocean Five <laughs> is hot, hot garbage. So <laughs> I would like to remember a time when Star Ocean wasn't bad. Um, but I was actually looking at funny enough Digital Foundry, the, the, the YouTube channel that does these really in depth analyses of game performance. They were talking about how Star Ocean: The Last Hope 4K was like the first that they knew of, the first PS4 game to include PC-style graphical options. And I was watching this video about how um, actually like everything that you can adjust makes a considerable impact on performance. Like, Oh, weird. Yeah, like you can mm-hmm. run it at native 4K or you can like downscale it to 2160. 
uh, and have like a like better performance, keep 60 frames in battle, and like we talked about how the depth of field effect for the blindside attacks affects performance and stuff. It was very fascinating. But anyway, um, I was kind of thinking about picking that back up. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. I have enough other stuff to play. So. There's, there's so many things on sale right now that just wants to bolster your backlog. Oh, yeah. That's the time of the year. So. Well, I think this is going to wrap up our final episode of 2018. Mm-hmm. So um, we had an amazing year full of video games, and uh, we have another amazing one to come, it looks like. And we will have more to talk about regarding 2018 after our Game of the Year feature is published in early January. So you can uh, look out for discussion on the podcast of that. Yep. Shaping up nice. Yeah, in the coming weeks. It, it is shipping up nice. So. Um, if you enjoyed the show today, you can subscribe to us through iTunes or through our RSS feed, or you can like our Twitter account at twitter.com slash RPGFancom or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash RPGFancom. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. I think we've gotten like one or two <laughs> in the last half year, and one of those was saying, yay, Caitlin, which I agree with. Yay, Caitlin. <laughs> um, oh, wow. a review. Right, it is, it is a good review. And you can also get in touch via the Discord. Greg will uh, be happy to, to chat you up or perhaps field your questions. So make sure you go over to our Discord if you don't know how to get to it. You can just go to our main page, rpgfan.com, and check the Discord link in that top links bar because um, I'm not going to list out the Discord app invite link here. So you can find <laughs> it. You're a very smart listener, so I'm sure, I'm sure you can do that. So check out the Discord. Um, get in touch with us via any avenue you like, including our email, which is podcast at rpgfan.com. Um, we haven't really gotten any email through there lately, but I think it's just because folks prefer the more instantaneous communication methods. So I would agree. Yep. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Random Encounter. We hope you've enjoyed the show all year long, and we hope you continue to look forward to it in 2019 um, with whatever changes maybe in store for us, but uh, it's, I think he it's, foreshadowed. I foreshadowed, but I think the show <laughs> is going to continue uh, wonderfully. And hopefully we'll have a lot of exciting discussions for you in the coming year. So for myself, for Caitlin and for Greg, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you all later. Oh,